So now we're duking it out with the Pshemus leads. A city is much more than just a collection of buildings. It's a location, it's a history, it's a culture, it's ideas and ideals, and a city is also, most importantly, the people in it. This is Prague Times, the podcast that takes a look at the city of Prague in the Czech Republic. With more than a thousand years of history, there's a lot to talk about. We'll talk about the past of Prague, but we'll also talk about the city as it is today, future plans for the city, and much more. It's Prague then, Prague now, and Prague later. And this is Prague Times. It's been chaos, lots of double crossing, but Vrastislav II becomes Duke in 1061. Now, his brother, the previous Duke, had hated the Germans, but Vrastislav quite likes them. And he strongly allies himself with Henry IV of Germany and the Holy Roman Empire. Now, there's a lot going on in the Holy Roman Empire at this time and in the church, including a bunch of people who'd like to take the Holy Roman Emperor Henry IV's throne. And there's a schism in the Vatican between Pope Gregory VII and the anti-Pope Clement III. So as a result, there are a lot of battles. Vrasislav is always fighting on the Holy Roman Emperor's side, including against the anti-kings who try to take the empire from him, and in a civil war in which the Saxon princes try and break away from the empire. In one battle, Vrasislav grabs the golden lance of the Duke of Swabia, Rudolf, who had been supported by the Pope, and Henry says he gets to keep the golden lance and carry it on state occasions. I don't know if that's a bonus, but I guess status is status. He even goes with Henry's army when they march on Rome in 1084. In a twist of fate, considering that his brother had banned him from government because of the somewhat new rules of secession that say brothers are next in line to the throne instead of sons, in 1085, Holy Roman Emperor Henry IV grants Vrastislav II the title of king as a reward for supporting him against Pope Gregory VII because the Pope had excommunicated Henry. However, he's king, but he doesn't get hereditary secession. That has to come from Rome, and needless to say, Rome's a little pissed off at him right now. So, now he's king of Bohemia, not just Duke, the very first king Bohemia ever has. Needless to say, he remains pretty loyal to the emperor. And despite his support for Henry IV, Pope Gregory VII doesn't totally hate Vratislav. I mean, he still won't allow masses in Slavonic. He insists that all masses must be in Latin. But even though Vratislav sided with Henry all the time in these disputes, he never sided with the anti-Pope Clement III, even though Henry did. So as a result, their relations are fairly cordial. As per tradition at this point, Two of Vratislav's brothers get control of Moravia. Brother Conrad gets Olomots and Otto gets Brno. And then his younger brother, Jaromir, enters the church. Jaromir has all sorts of conflicts with his eldest brother, since Vratislav keeps pushing for Slavonic masses, and Jaromir, firmly in the bosom of the church and very much on the Pope's side, insists that everything should be in Latin. Vratislav keeps creating institutions to lessen Jaromir's power, including establishing the Vyshehrad chapter in 1070, which is answerable directly to the Holy See and thus bypasses Jaromir, who by this time is Bishop of Olomouc. 
Otto dies and his lands pass to control of Boleslav, his son. This pisses off Otto's brother, Conrad, because Conrad thought he should get it and then he would be in charge of all of Moravia. Things get heated and Vratislav has to actually send an army, led by his own son, Pjetislav II, to calm things down. But Pjetislav is also a Latin Rite guy and he really hates any whiff of the old Slavic ways and paganism, so he ends up turning against his father. Because of the rules of secession laid down by Vratislav and Conrad's father, brother Conrad will become Duke next. The two brothers gang up on Pjetislav II and he has to go and run and hide in Hungary. So now Conrad I of Brno becomes Duke of Bohemia in 1092 after Vratislav dies. But he he doesn't get to be king. After only eight months as Duke, he suddenly dies in September. So, Pjetislav II returns from Hungary, and now he becomes Duke of Bohemia, because there are no brothers left, so now it goes to sons. He starts immediately dismantling any hints of the old Slavic culture. For example, he expels all the monks from the Sazava Monastery, who were big fans of keeping some of the homegrown Moravian trappings in their Christianity. This is the second time they've all been kicked out. It's also during his reign that the First Crusade happens. That happens from 1095 to 1099, and the Knights of Malta get founded in the newly captured Jerusalem. Now, he also tries to change the rules of secession so that his younger half-brother, Bojivoy, who was Duke of Brno, could secede him, and then they could cut Conrad's sons totally out of the picture, because apparently he's still sore at Conrad, even though Conrad's dead. Needless to say, he made quite a few enemies during his reign, and just before Christmas in 1100 at the Zbechno Hunting Lodge, he is assassinated. Now starts another Game of Thrones-like series of battles. So we've got Borjevoy II, round one, which is 1101 to 1107. Bojavoy becomes Duke of Bohemia. His cousin, Oldrich, becomes Duke of Brno. Now, Oldrich thinks he should be on the throne of Bohemia, so he starts a civil war to take it. But he loses, and he has to run away. Things continue for a little while, and then in 1102, the Duke of Poland dies, and now there's a big fight in Poland over who should take that title. Bojavoy II and his cousin Svatopluk support Zbigniew against Boleslav III, Vrymouth, but then Boleslav pays Bojivoy to stay out of the quarrel, which he does, and this really irritates cousin Svatopluk. So, Svatopluk defects and takes a bunch of high-ranking Bohemian nobles with him. He also tries to convince Hungary to invade Bohemia, except they're not really interested. And yes, I know it can start getting very confusing because everybody names their kids the same things. There are like 10 names used over and over and over. Anyway, in 1107, Bojivoy's younger brother, Vladislav, rebels against him. And now the Hungarians are interested in possibly getting in there. So they all team up and they take Prague. Cousin Svatopluk captures Bojivoy, but... Holy Roman Emperor Henry V convinces Svatopluk to release Bojavoy in exchange for now getting to become Duke. So, now Svatopluk becomes Duke for two years. Bojavoy, now released, but no longer Duke, he gets help from Boleslav in Poland and attacks. Henry also attacks, and Svatopluk's former Polish allies also attack. It's kind of sneaky of the Holy Roman Emperor to say, yeah, go ahead and take it, <laughs> knowing that this was coming. 
Svatopluk starts getting ready to go take part in the fighting, but then suddenly he is assassinated by supporters of Bojovoy. And there's a personal element. The people who killed him were members of the Vrshovtsi clan, that family that had been all but wiped out earlier by one of his relatives. Yep, they're still around, they're still causing trouble, and they really hate Svatopluk because Svatopluk had beheaded the clan's chief, Mutina, because he'd supported Bojovoy. So they take the revenge on Svatopluk. So, Borjavoy wins the war, it seems, with the help of the Poles and the Holy Roman Empire. However, there isn't enough support among the nobles for him to take the throne. So instead, they give it to his brother, Vladislav. Vladislav the first round one and this goes from 1109 to 1117 so Vladislav and his older brother sort of make up okay and they end up sort of ruling together Vladislav is technically on the throne because he has all the support of the nobles but Bojovoy gets to be co-ruler in all but name for a while Vladislav is dealing with pressure from Poland to name his younger brother Sobieslav as a sort of a secondary ruler of Moravia based in Znoimo and all of this pressure eventually takes its toll on him. He ends up giving in and giving Bruno to him, and then finally he just steps down in 1117, passing the crown back to Bojovoy, who's been at his side co-ruling the whole time. So now Bojovoy is technically duke again, but he still doesn't have a lot of support from the nobles. You have to keep in mind this whole idea of divine right and God has chosen the king and shut up about it. That is not happening at this point in European history. There are lines of secession, but you're elected, basically, and you have to be elected by the landowners. And if you don't have their support, you're in big trouble. So, Vladislav steps down so that Bojovoy can be duke again. But, because Bojovoy doesn't have support, Vladislav still technically runs things. In 1120, the pressure on Bojovoy becomes too great, I think maybe because he might have been a dick, and that just clearly nobody wants him there. And he gets deposed. Again, as a consolation prize, he's given control of Znoimo, which is now this third power seat in Moravia. But he doesn't want it, and he just kind of gives up, and he goes to Hungary, where he dies in 1124. Elsewhere, the Knights Templar are established in Jerusalem in 1119, and the Knights of St. John, Hospitallers, are formed in 1120. Just to give you some context for things that will come into play later. So, now, Bojovoy was duke, he got deposed by Svatopluk, Svatopluk gets killed, Bojovoy should take over again, nobody wants him, so Vladislav takes over, but Bojovoy rules with him, then he steps down, lets Bojovoy take over, but he doesn't have support, so Vladislav rules with him, and then Bojovoy gets deposed again. So now Vladislav is back in the saddle. And now his brother's finally out of his hair, sulking in Hungary. So now he can get some stuff done, which he does over the next five years. He fends off Polish attempts to meddle in the affairs of Bohemia. He encourages Germans to return to the land and settle. He deals with all these ambitious noblemen in Moravia who all think they should have more power and say in what happens. He establishes the Benedictine Abbey at Kladruby, making them lords of Zbroslav. He has some successful battles against Poland and Austria. And he even goes with Holy Roman Emperor Henry V to Italy. When he dies in 1125, the crown passes to his brother Sobislav, who the Poles liked so much earlier in this.
Right off the bat, Otto II, known as Otto the Black, younger brother of Svatopluk, Prince of Olomouc since 1107, Prince of Brno since 1123, argues that actually, technically, the crown should be his. He gets support from Vladislav's widow, who's a German, and support from the King of Germany. As a result of all of this nonsense, Sobieslav, who actually is Duke, is not really too keen on Germans. When there are problems in the 1125 election in Germany, Sobieslav manages to finagle more independence for Bohemia by playing the sides off of one another. He removes Otto the Black from Olomouc, taking it for himself. Otto complains to King Lothair III of Germany. That king then invades Bohemia, trying to get Otto on the throne. The local Bohemian nobles don't like this so much. After all, who are these Germans that tell us what we can and cannot do? Who cares if it's chaos here? It's our chaos. So they support Sobieslav, even though they weren't so keen on him before. In 1126, at the Battle of Hlumets, which is up near Usti nad Labem, Sobieslav captures the German King Lothair, and Otto the Black is killed in the fighting. King Lothair is released in exchange for officially recognizing Sobieslav as Duke of Bohemia and keeping his nose out of it. But there's more intrigue to come. His nephew Brecheslav says, actually, you know, way back in the 1050s, the Bohemian Achilles said, really, the crown should be passed to brothers and their heirs, not sons. Duke Conrad II of Znoimo agrees, and the Bishop of Prague, Meinhard, also agrees, and so plots are made. But Sobislav finds out about it, and there's quite a bit of nastiness. Now, because none of this happened on battlefields, there are no chronicles of all this, but for the next few years, a series of very, very nasty events happen. Many people die, but at the end of it all, Pchetsislav is still Duke, and he's still alive, but he's blinded. Then, his brother-in-law becomes King Bela II of Hungary. This pisses off Duke Boleslav III of Poland, who wanted somebody else on the Hungarian throne. Conrad III in Germany becomes Holy Roman Emperor in 1138. He says, let's everybody in this region just calm down, and he tries to sort out all the various messes and salve all the various wounds. In Bomberg, he gives Sobieslav the title of Archcup Bearer to the Holy Roman Emperor. This gives the title holder the right to serve drinks at the royal table, which might sound dumb, but keep in mind the person pouring your drinks has to be somebody who you find super trustworthy. In fact, sometimes they even have to taste it ahead of time to make sure that the wine isn't poisoned or whatever you're drinking. Conrad, now Holy Roman Emperor, also promises that Sobieslav's eldest son, who is imaginatively named Vladislav, another one, will be Duke of Bohemia after him, even though that's not what the rules of secession say. Sobislav likes the sound of all that, and he invites Germans to settle more and more places in Bohemian lands, especially in the Sudetenland. Now, while Prague is still the capital, Sobislav actually prefers spending more time at his castle in Hostine, which is up in the Sudetenland near Trutnov, and it's there that he dies on February 14, 1440. However, this whole plan from the Holy Roman Emperor to put his son on the throne falls apart because the nobles won't support him. So instead, his nephew, also called Vladislav, he's the son of Vladislav I, so he's yet another Vladislav, he gets it instead, and Conrad III supports it. So now we have Vladislav II, who will become the second king of Bohemia. He's Duke from 1140 to 1158, and then king from 1158 to 1172. So do things calm down? Kinda. 
Considering all the craziness around the Bohemian throne during the reign of Uncle Sobislav, Vladislav decides to have a nice life instead. When he's young and all this crazy stuff is going on, he went to Bavaria and lived and studied and made lots of friends and contacts. And he was right, because as soon as he returned to Bohemia to replace his uncle, trouble started. He had to deal with noises from his cousin, who is also named Vladislav, who is Sobislav's son. He has to deal with the dukes of Znoimo and Brno and Olomots, who also think that Vladislav should be in there. But the bishop of Olomots, Yindrich Zdik, agrees with Vladislav, who's duke, and he excommunicates all three dukes, which causes an uproar, and so now the bishop of Olomots has to flee Olomots. In April 1142, all three dukes and their armies besiege Prague, but the siege fails, partly because Conrad II of Germany helps. Now, the Second Crusade started in 1147 when the crusader state of Edessa fell after an invasion by Imad al-Denzengi, and Vladislav tagged along to the Holy Land with Conrad III, Holy Roman Emperor. But when they got to Constantinople, apparently he changed his mind and came back home via Kiev and Krakow, which are not exactly on the way home. So I kind of just think maybe this guy just really likes travel. Now, also in 1147, in addition to the Second Crusade in the Holy Land, there is the Vendish Crusade. So, when the Pope calls for a crusade, Southern Germans, the Bavarians and so on, they all participate, but the Northern Germans, they don't want to go. Instead, they want to stay home and really stomp these Western Slavs that live in their lands into submission. They call for a crusade, the Pope grants it to them, and the Saxons are joined by various groups, mainly Danes and Poles, in help pacifying these Slavs, quote, until they are converted or deleted, in the words of Bernard of Clairvaux, who later would go on to found the Cistercian Monastic Order. And yeah, Poles are Slavs, but you know, they're not those Slavs. Those Slavs, who everybody's going to slap around, are the Vens. It's a mixture of different tribes who live along what's now the Polish-German border. Basically, this is super nice land, very rich in resources, and as a result, the Vens have become quite powerful. Plus, they're really not into the whole Christianity thing. So, Poles, Danes, and Germans, Northern Germans, decide, hey, we're going to make them Christian, slash, take their land. It's nasty, and when it's over... The Saxons had managed to add control of some of the lands, but still most of the Slavs wouldn't convert to Christianity. And many of the Christian leaders accused each other of sabotaging things to try and gain influence for selfish reasons, and that's why it fell apart. The Second Crusade in the Holy Land ends in 1150 in kind of a shit show for the Crusaders, with many of the Christian leaders accusing each other of sabotaging things to try and gain influence for selfish reasons. Sound familiar? Both of these things are kind of a disaster. But the Second Crusade also expands into Spain and Portugal, becoming part of the Reconquista movement. Interestingly, 1150 is also generally considered the start of the Gothic period in architecture, which will continue until 1500. After the Second Crusade, Frederick Barbarossa is elected Holy Roman Emperor in 1152. Later that year, he summons Duke of Bohemia Vladislav to a diet at Merseburg, but Vladislav didn't want to go. Maybe he was all traveled out from Constantinople and 
Krakow and Kiev. So instead, he sends the Bishop of Prague, Daniel. Unlike his ancestor, Uldrich, 120 years before, who refused to go to the Holy Roman Emperor's diet, he doesn't get in trouble. In fact, he and Frederick Barbarossa became quite friendly. He met up with Frederick at the border of Bohemia three years later, and in 1156, he attended Frederick's wedding in Würzburg. And at the wedding feast, the two of them agreed that Vladislav would come with Frederick on his Italian expedition, quote-unquote, and in exchange, Frederick would make him king of Bohemia. And in a good show of faith, he does it first. On January 11th, 1158, Frederick Barbarossa, Holy Roman Emperor, upholds his end of the bargain and officially crowns Vladislav II as the second-ever king of Bohemia. In theory, this right is his to do with as he wishes, which means if he wants to change the rules of secession and hand the crown on to whomever he wants, he can. However, it doesn't really work out that way. But that was Frederick Barbarossa's intention. Vladislav is also given control of Upper Sorbia. He got what he wanted, so he fulfills his end of the bargain, and he goes along to Milan with the Holy Roman Emperor, and they become fast friends, or at least pretty solid allies. That same year, work begins on the first bridge across the Voltava, named the Judith Bridge, which is named after now King Vladislav's second wife. It's finished in 1172. It is the second stone bridge in Central Europe, with Regensburgs being the oldest. And in those intervening years, Vladislav finds time to found quite a few Cistercian and Norbitine abbeys, further cementing Latin Rite-focused Christianity in Bohemia. The Moravian dukes kind of rebel, but it's all dealt with, and the dukes of Brno's, Neumo, and Olomouc, who'd early opposed him, all die, and then that threat kind of goes away. But then Daniel, Bishop of Prague, who'd been sort of the main peacekeeper between Bohemia and Germany, I guess him going to that diet, he was awesome and they loved him and they became fast friends. When he dies in 1167, things go back to being tense. Thank you for listening to this episode of Prague Times. If you liked this episode, be sure to like it or share it and tell your friends. Check us out on all of our social media platforms for extra goodies as well. Until next time, this has been Prague Times.